What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Terry looks awful in his eyes, like puffy, and he's trying to take it in himself the other day. And I was going, Terry, open your eyes, open your eyes. He was like, they aren't open, they're just puffy. So welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with Dave Weaver. <laughs> this conversation began because Martin's a bit sniffly tonight and he's trying to convince us it's not because of his cocaine habits. Yeah. Um, but and Stephen's talking about his puffy boyfriend. <laughs> oh, sorry, Terry. <laughs> oh, so you've just joined us mid-conversation and this is so this is the horror podcast with the queer eye view. Um, eye, no. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. I used to think that talking about um, being a horror podcast with a queer eye view is a bit dated, but now the queer eye is back. Oh yeah, we're relevant again. We're relevant. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Fab Five. Is it? Yeah. For um, all your support, we really appreciate it. We won't make over anything though. No, it's all real, raw, <laughs> bloody mess, <laughs> warts and all. Yeah, especially on Stephen. Yes. <laughs> he's giving me the stink I know yeah. I like your t-shirt by the way Stephen yeah that's my favourite film I think he's all of this one as well Stephen's got a Hocus Pocus t-shirt on oh that's so scary it's good it's quite scary it's better than it the film is. <laughs> it is probably scary than the film as well yeah my washed out Janet Jackson t-shirt's better than that film <laughs> what have you got on Jonathan Butler uh, oh uh Destroyer 666. It's an Australian black metal band. Oh, great. And Martin. I've got a bland um, (laughs) brownie check shirt and um, I've got red socks on, if that's exciting. That is exciting. What underwear are you wearing? Red panties. Um, What? I don't know. Am I wearing (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, he wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> so that's a really random intro to our episode talking about hereditary um, my name is Jonathan Larkin I'm Jonathan Butler I'm Martin Fennessy and I'm Stephen Moore Stephen Moore is a bit drained aren't you yeah I'm emotionally drained well, tell us why I've been to see it, this film twice in less than 12 hours <laughs> and it's what 2 hours and 20 minutes luggage no, it's, 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 2 hours it's just, two, it's just, just over 2 hours 2 hours 2 minutes I think it is yeah. oh is it okay well it felt longer yeah uh, and it's bleak and depressing anyway so what made you want to go and see it twice it was when I got to the end of this I kind of felt like I know this has got a rewatch value in it I knew there was going to be lots about the plot at the end that didn't make sense to me that was going to make more sense mm. on a second time through and did it yeah it's interesting because when it finished I said to Ben I really I want to see that again actually and not in like a oh my god I just got off an amazing roller coaster I want to go again it was more a I think I need to watch it again yeah I got that I was was exactly the same as soon as it finished I thought I need to see that again what did you think the minute it finished Martin? Um, I didn't have an urge to watch it again I would readily watch it again yeah but I did have a roller coaster ride oh I did enjoy it as a roller coaster ride. I had a great. I had a very. I have to say, I had a great cinema experience. Oh, good! In that, I went to see this film pretty much blind, and I turned away from every bus I could possibly see (laughs) in the run up to it. Lucky thing. Um, But even luckier, 
I had an audience that was completely and utterly silent. They were completely entranced by the really? film. Yeah, Good. completely Ooh. silent, That's except for two occasions difference. where a couple of people screamed out loud, oh, wow. which was amazing. And then one occasion where um, a few of us laughed, and I'll tell you the moment that a few of us laughed. You probably guess actually. Guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> Crazy. But the whole audience was utterly enthralled, so I think maybe that was that was why it was such a, yeah. a good experience for me because there was all of that going on at the same time. So I had a completely yeah. sorry, I had a completely different viewing experience. Mine was OD, and obviously, I think I'm probably in that. But last night's experience was great, and then today is an early punch someone. Ah, today is some girl sat through the entire thing. Two hours with a phone out, googling, googling stuff because oh I could God. see her phone from where I was. <laughs> sat next to me, and then she'd occasionally look up at the screen and say something really loud to the person next to her. And then when she actually did want to pay attention to what was on the screen, she'd turn her phone to her side, which happened to be facing me, oh. with the screen of full brightness. And obviously, my eyes were adjusted to the dark, so I couldn't see out of my left eye every time she wanted to pay attention. Really killed her. <sighs> but last night, I thought it was really good. Everyone was really into it and enjoying it. It felt like a bit of a rowdy crowd, but like in a good way. Oh, so they were like... Like people noisy. were like gasping and like cheering and laughing along with like the bits that were kind of bordering on weirdness. Every now and again, someone would tongue pop around the audience, which I thought was just really fun. It felt like a bit inclusionary. <laughs> which is why this is also really homophobic because they come for gay culture. Well, I did, I did, I was sitting there thinking other RuPaul Drag Race fans must be getting the it's same, gotta, same image the It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Come on, Peter. Here's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Oh my God! She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm going to take care of you? But when you die... And she wasn't all together there. At the end. stress on my family. So back up, hereditary, if you haven't sort of been alive for mm. the last six months, made a big stink at the Cannes Film Festival and a lot of other film festivals. Um, people said it was the scariest film ever made, it was too scary, it was the exorcist for this new generation. And I did my best to sort of avoid all the hype. And I sort of did avoid it, but then, like, Martin's just said, it was on all the buses, quotes from reviews everywhere. Yeah. So you just can't really avoid it. So I did go in there. I tried to go in with an open mind, but I also went in thinking, 
Picot, 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 Picot. And it's a thing, it was good. Hereditary is a, a, a horror film written and directed by Ari Aster, and um, it's Ari Aster's feature debut. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's only done shorts up until this point. Ah, okay, cool. And the film stars the wonderful Tony Collette from Muriel's Wedding uh, and Gabriel Byrne. And Gabriel Byrne as the mother and father of this family who have just suffered a tragedy. Spoiler alert, there are going to be tons of spoilers in this episode. If you want a spoiler-free review, go and have a look at our written review on the blog, ScreamingQueensWithAZ.com. Basically, Annie Graham and her husband, Steve, are a sort of bourgeois... Everyone in this film is so bourgeois. Uh, <laughs> Middle-class uh, couple. He... What does he do for a living? Who knows? Yeah. Some kind of... Lawyers? He's like a lawyer or something? I don't even know if it's established or I don't, I don't think it's established because he's really not established he in just, the slightest. Why is he there? Who buys he there? Does he sell money? Who knows? Yeah, Time, to bear. trees. Yeah. Whereas Annie is a miniaturist artist <clears throat> and she's sort of, um, she's building these amazing little scale models, isn't she? Uh, all about, it's like her biography. It's, yeah, scenes from her life, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sort of intensely building these models throughout the film. Um, and the film actually opens with a really great shot, doesn't it, of a model home, um, and it sort of zooms in and then becomes the, the real scene, the actual, the actual home that the film's sort of um, based in. So the family are called the Grahams. She's Annie Graham, and um, they've got two kids. They've got teenage son Peter, played by Alex Wolf, and thirteen-year-old daughter Charlie, played by Millie Shapiro. Who, if you've seen any of the clips of the film, she is the face of the film, isn't she? Mm. Really. Um, you sort of go into this film thinking, is it going to be a creepy kid? I thought, that, I thought it was going to be a creepy kid film when yeah. I saw the first stuff. It did. That's it, how it's it advertised. Yeah. As, and then all I saw was the trailer. Yeah. I kept it bland as well. So I saw the trailer and then you go into it and it's not the experience you think you're going to get. No. It's completely different, which I'm mm. all for. Yeah, yeah. All for surprises. Film opens with the death of Annie's uh, mother, so the grandmother to the kids. Um, what's her name? Is it, is it Ellen? Ellen. It she, opens with her obituary from the paper. Which, it? Yeah, I like. I think that's a really nice touch. So she's popped off. She's had a long illness, and um, the family are pretty much estranged from Eleanor. They, apart from in the last year, mm. last sort of months or whatever. Yeah, she's, doesn't she have to move in? She has to move in and live with them, doesn't she? Yeah, she moves in and then moves out to a hospice. Yeah, yeah. She moves in like during the later years when. The daughter's just been born. Yeah. So she doesn't have... Ellen never had much of a relationship, or she didn't have a relationship with with, um, with Peter, the teenage son, because mm. of the estrangement between her and Annie, Tony Class. However, when Charlie came along, they have sort of rebonded, didn't they? Mm. And so she was very close to Charlie as a baby. Um, and this all sort of comes out in one scene where, where she goes to the grief counsellor where Annie goes to the grief counsellor real bad like dump of exposition that very, scene very is bad it? very bad <laughs> I think it's bad right oh I know it was exposition dumping but I thought it was done brilliantly literally I think it's acted well she acts at perfection and she just goes on and piles out all this thing and then it just like you just look at everyone else just kind of sitting there like what the yeah. fuck did you say back to that Yeah. There's a... and there's lots of moments where she just like unloads all the grief and it's just other people going like Ugh. I hadn't thought about the writing of that moment I did feel like it was really really awkward but partly I thought it's probably because of Tony Collette's acting mm-hmm. and I wasn't examining it too deeply it, because it was awkward I just thought what the f- is the character I thinking, what the fuck are you doing like, <laughs> yeah. and it just made me think of just she was it just added to the sense that is she is she deranged yeah. is she mad yeah, she's crazy and then she lived in our house at the end before hospice we weren't even talking before that I mean we were and then we weren't and then we were she's completely manipulative until my husband finally enforced a no contact rule which lasted until I got pregnant with my daughter I didn't let her anywhere near me when I had my first, my son, which is why I gave her my daughter, who she immediately stabbed her hooks into. And I just, I felt guilty again, I felt guilty again. When she got sick, not that she was really even my mom at the end, and not that she would ever feel guilty about anything. And I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. 
She cray cray. Um, <laughs> so the for, the sort of the, the plot of the film follows. Um, we know from the beginning something wasn't quite right with Ellen. There was something a bit weird. There are creepy people at the funeral. There's the creepy guy who's like yeah. stood there smiling at um, at Charlie. Who you sort of see and you think, well, we're going to see him again. <laughs> we're going to see him again in this movie later. Well, she, she says, doesn't she? Yeah. Sean and Eulogy, it's like whoever you people are, she doesn't know most of yeah. them, does she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She'd be very suspicious. <laughs> and everyone's wearing these creepy necklaces with like an emblem on, emblem on them, so you think, right, that okay. is, witchcraft. That is, that is the actual symbol as well. Oh, so have you been doing your research? Pyman. Pyman. That is his actual symbol. Yeah. So we know something was up. Ellen then starts to sort of appear in the background a couple of times. Um, we know this is going to be some sort of haunting, some sort of creepy, supernatural thing. And then um, Charlie keeps seeing the grandmother and we're wondering what's going on there. And then suddenly, about what, 45 minutes into the film, um, Charlie, who we think is going to be the centrepiece of the horror of, of this film... Is decapitated. Spoiler, <laughs> and it's horrific and um, and just and really really shocking and disturbing. And then I think the actual it all goes downhill from there. The actual shot just right after that thing where he nobody stops the car. That's amazing. I it's think yeah. it's, it's so underplayed for what that could have been. It's brilliant. I don't know that that to me was possibly one of the very shocking and tense scenes that I've seen in recent history in the cinema. I think. Anyway, when she's she's gone to this party and had a nut allergy to the chocolate cake, she's Did eaten. Did mention three times in yeah. the first 20 minutes? Yes. <laughs> Which is a bit ham-fisted. <laughs> oh, well, so, who cooks? I like bakes at a party and they're like chopping. Well, did like, you see really? that party that, again, everyone in that fucking film is bourgeois to fuck. That she goes to like a wild teenage party with art on the wall. And no one's smashing it. I half thought the cake was just going to give her a white. It was just going to be a pocket cake. A pocket cake, yeah. yeah. Space cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that yeah. would explain why they were making a cake. But as soon as you, walk, you see someone chopping walnuts, don't you? As soon as they walk in. That's yeah. true, yeah. It's just so obvious. Big knife just chopping nuts. But did you? So well, you've seen it twice. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Was there anyone at that party that looked like they didn't belong there? No, not that I saw. Because they saw. Well, there was a boy that was standing there, but I think he was just a really bad extra because he looked like he should be there, but he was just like standing there, like watching the t- what was going on, and I was like, because they kind of make there? out towards the end that Ellen and the co- the coven or whatever they are have controlled everything that's happened mm. in the film and a part of me wondered whether the cake that, was a, was yeah. part of their plan that's what made me want to go back and watch it again when, yeah. you, when you didn't see what it is at the end and you think yeah. how you know that I didn't notice it there mm. I did go back and check if the woman was actually at the um, initial grief counselling thing because I was really hoping that she wasn't but she was there mm. and that's annoying me oh was she there when you went back yeah, and watched it yeah I thought I she was yeah. going to not be there oh she was just ha- waiting and outside. she just wanted she was just going to pretend that she saw it but really she already just knew she is there but she's there so that spoils it a little bit so yeah so the rest of the film goes off from there the death of Charlie the intense trauma of, of Annie and the family falling apart and then um, we sort of spiral towards a conclusion that is basically Ellen and her coven of witches were trying to use Charlie as the conduit to summon a demon called Payman. Mm. Payman. And, um, but they needed a boy. They need a man, don't they? Yeah. So once Charlie's dead, they basically try to stuff Charlie's spirit into Peter. Yeah. Is that right? Because yes. she was because she was the reincarnation of this payment. Payment was just in her. We never actually necessarily see her because Peter doesn't. Peter, you would think that Peter's taken on Charlie's spirit, but he hasn't. He's, it's payment all along. Yeah, all along. Child. You've never seen Charlie really. Yeah, yeah. Because one of the most shocking moments for me involved a pair of scissors. With the yeah. pigeon? The pigeon. No. That was yeah. the first so I on the trailer. Yeah. Oh, I, see, I'd forgotten it. I'd forgotten I it. So I didn't see it coming. I didn't yeah. see it. I liked how casual it was, though. You just take a pair of scissors and chop off a pair of dead pigeon's head. And then continues to eat in yeah. a chocolate bar there. That's the bit that really tickled me. She just, like, puts a pigeon head in a pocket and just goes... She <laughs> 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 you know, that almost felt like the, the ingredients of spell, which meant that she was going to have a head yeah. blown off. From chocolate cake, mm. all the all the ingredients yeah. were there. One, a collision. 
yeah. pigeon into a window. Yes, of course. Yeah. So the weird thing is, she's suffocating in the back of the car. She sticks her head out of the window to try and get air, which is just really tense anyway. And then you just he swerves out of the road. What does he? Have, I because I, I you don't see it for long enough. I think it was a deer. I I it was a deer. Yeah. Twice I looked and twice I couldn't make it out. I think it was deer. You swerve and she gets decapitated by a telephone wire. Tele- it's a telephone it's a pole. pole. Yeah, telegraph pole, yeah. Telegraph pole, which we'd saw on the way to the party which, with the symbol. Yeah, it's got a symbol on it. Uh-huh. Everything was preordained. But yeah. like See, that that's cost- a really convoluted plot to decapitate someone. <laughs> but the- Yeah, so it was always gonna happen. I think the point of it is though that they needed to be decapitated. I think that was part of yeah, the, that's the way part of the ritual. I think that's part of the ritual. Mm. Yeah, because when you see when you see the images uh, of the ritual, like the, in the when she's looking back through the books, the you know this is a supernatural book. You know, she's looking back through all those, the the pictures that in them are all the decapitated people during all these ceremonies and stuff. So I think it was always meant to be. Decapitated that way, yeah, yeah, because the symbols already on the pole when they're on the way to the party. When yeah. it's the light as they dra- travel past, you see it. On the, the, the light way. and nighttime in this switches quite yeah, like dramatically. Yeah. sad, isn't it? And yeah. it, it's good, but then there's one bit at the end where he's in the attic and he sees the three naked people like emerge and it's broad daylight outside, and then he jumps out the window and it's nighttime. That and I'm like, was that a deliberate like? Because we've been doing that all the way through the film, or did we just make an error there? Yeah. I think that, that that was. I don't. I think that was deliberate all the way through the film. Yeah. It was just because it's sense of just to give you a sense of what the fuck is happening here. Because I think that was part of what I left the film yeah. with was I do know what's happened here, and it does make sense. But actually, all the way through the film, I've kept asking myself, what the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah. I think if they hadn't done it the rest of the way through the film, I'd just be like, that was just a complete blunder. Yeah. But I felt like it, the film was too clean. Apart from that, that I don't know. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of uh, attention has been paid throughout the film, hasn't it, for them to make those sorts of mistakes? Can I ask a question? The second time you watched it, did you see where the hell that dog came from? The dog is introduced, but it's not like much. I was it in the beginning yeah, of the, the film. The dog, the, you shows the dog, yeah. like I missed that. three times and very small yeah. moments each time. Yeah, I wondered oh. this because we were reading maybe that the film is much longer. Yeah, there's an hour. There's an hour cut out of it. I wonder. It's too if, long. I wonder if there's a whole section with the dog that's been cut. The whole, the whole thing makes sense. The dog <laughs> just kind of gets stuck in everything. And the whole section with Gabriel Byrne doing things. With doing things, yeah. yeah. Being mm. in the film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's um. I didn't notice this myself, but <clears throat> one when we meeting Joni, 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 um. And she's talking about the ritual, which we'll come up to later. But she says, um, the whole family needs to be in the house mm. when you do it. But I didn't notice this, but I read up mm. I watched the video yeah, after it. I know she the... doesn't say house, she says room. Yeah. And the overdub it. Yeah, the ADR yeah. did afterwards. Yeah. You can see her, her lips move and she says she room. She says room. But then the word house comes So obviously... Out. With what happens later on, they've had a different scene that was longer yeah. when they were downstairs, and it's obviously played shit. Uh, okay. So then they've edited it so that she does the spell downstairs. By, yeah, by herself. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. why it's not really shown on camera. It's shown, which looked like an artistic choice the first time I watched it, but then I was I thought thinking it was like an artistic thinking, choice because I thought you know, the spell it's... itself is really ridiculous. And I felt like they were, trying, they were trying to keep, they were trying to sort of keep that element of realism throughout it. So I thought when she went into the bathroom to do it and you just heard a snippet of her saying these incantations, incantations, I did think oh, they're, they're trying to be cool there and not have it mm. completely take people out of the realism of it. But obviously... It's yeah, it's just... A... It probably is for that reason. Yeah. But it's just that they did it first that way and then realised, oh no shit, this looks so sharp. Yeah, we've got to cut an hour out of this film. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Three-hour film. But did the sound go really weird on two random parts? Like... I think the sound all the way through is really good. It's did really effective. play around with it. But like... There's two things, one where the daughter says something and one where the mum says something, where uh, the entire like a, sound quality, like, like echoes like or crackles. Or, it yeah. goes strange. And and, and the, I just didn't get why. There were really random scenes in it where, where there's like a, like a, like a throbbing, almost yeah. like a mm-hmm. dance beat. Yeah. Because on both occasions, when before I realised it was on purpose, I did think, because we were watching it in the box, a fact, 
and I was thinking, can you hear upstairs? Yeah. Can you hear the Can you hear the screen upstairs? Is that what it is? But then I realised no, it's on purpose. I, it's I, in the film. Yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah. Thinking the next door is yeah. What's going on in that film? The fly was really good. Did anyone notice that as well? They used the name the Vulcerons. On yeah. like the fly wasn't, and I literally uh, yeah. was turning my head for the whole film like, when the, the kid was making the clucking noise. Yeah. That was pop, that was popping off different walls, yeah. different corners. Yeah, which and it's when, just a good use of. It's a really good one, I think, as well. When she first goes to the grief counselling, because she walks in and everyone's off over to the left, it was all coming from behind and it was echoey. Mm. So and then now as she got closer, the sound came in. Mm. It was really really good. Yeah. They did a lot of stuff. There was a lot of there was a lot of experimental stuff with the sound that I thought really worked. There's nothing to do with the sound that I thought was an issue. No. The stuff with the I, I thought I did think that there were moments where <clears throat> I felt like I do enjoy a slow burn and that's fine. That's not that's not my issue with the film at all. Um, I, d- I do think that a lot of the scenes were just a bit a bit long and, f- and flat in parts, so they threw a bit of music over it to give it mm. a bit of tension mm-hmm. when there was no tension there, and I thought that. So in some part that felt really obvious I felt like they were trying know, to fix the problem I kind of felt like sometimes when they were doing that where it was a bit more mundane of a like scene and then you put the proper music on it it was just added to the confusion because like it just kind of this noise isn't going with what's going mm. on here and it just kind of made you a bit more disconnected with what was going on yeah yeah and I suppose that's that's quite interesting but for me it sort of took me out of it a little bit rather than sucking me in which is you know for me I want to be sucked into a film and Mm. I felt a little bit what? <laughs> <laughs> a little snigger from Jonathan Butler there. Um, a lot of the time, I want to be. It's, it's it's a similar issue that I've got with the likes of The Shining and stuff. The, when a film is so is put together with such, I don't know. I feel like the, there was a lot of artistry that's gone into this film, mm. and they wanted to make it look as beautiful as possible and make it as clever as possible. Um, but for me, that takes me out of it a little bit. I want to be. I want to feel like I'm in, in the middle of it rather than observing the work mm. of art. So it makes it feel a little bit cold for me I suppose one of my issues with the film is I didn't feel as engaged with the with the characters as I could have I didn't find them particularly likeable I thought they were all a bit bourgeois and a bit rich people problems and a bit rich a people bit problems cold. like your daughter getting decapitated uh, <laughs> yes if he wasn't driving that fancy car yeah, yeah. <laughs> then she would have I'm going to take one of the cars <laughs> yes exactly I'm going to take one of the cars um, they were poor and they were on welfare they wouldn't have gone anywhere exactly <laughs> <laughs> they'd have called an ambulance <laughs> and the grandmother if they were poor and living on welfare the grandmother couldn't have afforded to be a fucking witch no. <laughs> those books cost money <laughs> it does kind of all the candles <laughs> all them candles where are they going to get them from fucking home bargain <laughs> I, I kind of got the feeling that the wealth kind of came from the the ritual, because when yeah. you look in the book, it shows you. It says that you get riches it, it from it. Shows it shows sitting on top of a pile of gold. So uh, that's kind of they've they've made this pact in the book in the film, or have you got the book? No, no, yeah, in the, the book, the book in the film. So you haven't got the, you haven't got the book. No, no. I'm just double checking that we're not being sucked into something. <laughs> <of the laughs> no, no. Here. Okay. The caption underneath the picture says the person who summons will have well, great, yeah, great, great wealth, war, yeah. great wealth, or righteous yeah. wealth. Or Which picture like. though? The pictures in the in the books this of the supernatural or the photo albums that say, "This your grandmother was a witch." All <laughs> 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 these moments yeah. that you've missed throughout your whole life. Well, that you luckily sat down the first time <laughs> in two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's the book equivalent of your grandmother's. Witchy Poo Instagram account. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or how I did it, my witchy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so so relieved that this wasn't a three-hour film. Now I loved this film, but I would have wanted to punch myself in the head after three after three hours. Two hours is there should Fine. be no more no. than that. However, Any. I'm intrigued. That was- I'm not when when people say three hours. I'm not thinking that's ridiculous. I'm never going to watch that. I am thinking, I kind of want to watch that just to see what hell, what else it is in there. It depends what what you have to take out. If it's more of the first two thirds of the film, then I'd probably enjoy that because I thought the first the first sixty seventy percent of the film I thought was really strong. And yeah, it was, and it was towards the end that it kind of let itself down. I yeah. thought. So if it's more mm. of that tension and the palatable, then I'd probably enjoy I think that. That's what yeah. it is going to be. Yeah, 
Whereas if it's the, the, the occult mumbo jumbo at the end. I was going to say, but who knows? It could just be. Tosh. It could <laughs> actually be lots of the occult stuff, yeah. given the bathroom scene and all of that. What yeah. bathroom scene? Where she's. Oh, where she goes she's, doing the, she's doing the spell. What did we think of uh, Joni, the witchy character who's Aunt Lydia in The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, I. I thought she was quite good. I really enjoyed her. Yeah, she made me she made me laugh because she was so obviously a witch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was so obviously it was literally like watching Anyone yeah. Anyone who's that happy is evil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What did you think of her? Yeah, it, it's I mean it's obvious, isn't it? Straight away. Yeah. But it did quite enjoy no, it. I, I just love that <laughs> the whole Oh, I spoke to a medium and he showed me what to do. And now you can do it too. Yeah. It's like in the space of a day, I'm a t- from a total skeptic. I'm to a medium. I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a medium. That is the clunkiest dialogue I've ever played. I think there was more more than that in this, this film. There was a scene in it where there was a bit in it where um, where they got a phone call from the from the cemetery to say grandma's grave had been desecrated. Yeah. And um someone said, Dad, it's the cemetery, and they give him the phone and they go why did the cemetery call it? And he goes, let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says, let's find <laughs> out. It's exciting. And I don't know whether that was ad-libbed because Gabriel Byrne was thinking, I've got no lines. <laughs> so I'm going to say as much as I possibly can. Yeah, if I want to get like, more oh, money, no. I better say something if I wanted to pay me. Yeah, yeah I'm an extra at this yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I've got an, um, an extra money. I just really liked that bit where she goes out. To buy art supplies and then it ends up in a midday seance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, that's so casual. Yeah. I just want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And um, I do love the seance. Yeah. The bit where she where where the wind where the gusts of wind are blowing her hair and it's all really emotional and stuff. That took me back to Podgeist. And that she reacts really really like a normal person would in a yeah. seance. Like she's not like she checks under the table first, which yeah. I thought was a good joke. You mm. do it twice. Yeah. Um. Checks on the table first and then just kind of goes, ah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. supposed to just being like, ooh, ooh, yeah, no, just scream. Yeah. And she does a really good, like, silent scream for this film, like, three times, mm. four times. Totally glad. And I just love her. I could watch her do that all day. She's a good actress. She's, she's fantastic. There are moments in it where the thoughts of, she doesn't quite convince me. There were, there were, um, there were moments where, Again, I, I put it down to the writing, and you know, writers should never slag off another writer, but we're here to review a film. But a lot of this script for me was just like, I, I laughed twice, I laughed out loud twice, and I'm furious that I never took a notepad so I could write down what the lines were because I can't remember. But Ben was looking at me going, What? And I was just, I was laughing. But the, the, the bit where she was um, at the dinner table with the husband and the son. And she was so articulate about all of their problems and about all of the ways yeah, she was feeling. Even though her daughter's just been decapitated. And I was thinking, you don't talk... You know, after my child was decapitated, I didn't speak But like isn't that supposed to be months later, though? You okay, Mom? What? Is there something on your mind? Is there something on your mind? Just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah. Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine. Then say what you want to say then. Peter. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just... Don't you swear at me, you little... Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? The impression I got was that when you, when you see the kids, when you, was it Peter, is it? Mm. Yeah. Scenes where you see Peter coming home, and as soon as Peter comes home, she leaves in the car. Yeah, yeah. So you get this thing that, so whenever he's there, she can't be with him. So yeah. the impression I got was this, like, tense... Thing went on for months and months and months, yeah. and it's only at this the scene at the dinner table, which I think is a great scene, yeah. that it all comes out. When it doesn't, he just say to her like, "What's wrong? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. up with you?" And, and again, then, it all comes out in one yeah. monologue. Which would play with the night and day switching if it was meant to be like longer yeah. gaps. Yeah, that so, we don't really know where the be, time could is. Could be the case, and yeah. it could be that scenes, with the, some of the scenes that were chopped from the big version, yeah. were meant to be in there as well. Maybe. But I do like that that kind of the impression it gives you though is that like she hates her. she hates. I mean, it's a son and she loves him, but she hates him at the same time. Mm, she f- yeah. can't even physically be in the same house. So as soon as he gets home from school, she has to drive off yeah. and go somewhere else. Yeah. I kind of hated them as well. 
I less hated them on the second viewing, but on the first viewing, I was just like, I wanted them to die so badly because I was just like, you fucking little bastard. He just left his sister decapitated in the car and the head's on the side of the road. And I don't care if he was shocked or whatever. I just thought that was messed up. Yeah. I think that's quite... I thought that was actually quite real. I think because... Yeah, no, I do. I think you would be so shocked that you don't actually have control over the decisions that you make and what you do. You just go. I well, like, that's not how I react. One of the most powerful. Well, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly the point. You don't know, and I think yeah. that. I think I'm probably very just very. I don't. But my antidepressants are working very well. <laughs> well, mine aren't. <laughs> I'm very forgiving of all these things in the film, and I did come away from this film thinking, whoever made this film won't repeat won't repeat this experience nothing will be quite nothing they make will be as good as the mixture of things that are in this mm. and, it's, and I'm feeling that more and more the more that you sort of give your opinions because I think some of the clunky bits I was very forgiving of because they were clunky but they added to, for me they added to the strangeness the, mm. yeah. of the whole the thing bizarre, so yeah. that you know, the lots of the the, uh, the dialogue particularly Annie's dialogue and the, um, mm. the long speeches were clumsy and they were just, they were odd, but it just gave me a sense of she's a strange, there's something there's something strange going on and this whole film is fucking strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that um, the scene, the dream sequence where she confesses that she tried to have an abortion and that she never wanted to have the sun Again? to the sun Again? yeah yeah but that was like but don't you that know? was that was funny like it was funny as in the entire audience in my cinema was crying laughing because i don't think they were just, meant to laugh no but you were laughing <laughs> at like oh my fucking god you cannot say this and yeah. it's just like it's so awkward that everyone was laughing See, like you was can't sad. say that but and I just the silence through that with mine and it wasn't because they weren't into the film they were absolutely en- entranced yeah. by the film and horrified by that in that you can't say that but you're saying it yeah. and it's like what the fuck why are you saying that no I think my audience was like proper scouts everyone was like oh you can't say that <laughs> <laughs> see after seeing the end of the film I kind of had a different opinion of that scene because I'm sure doesn't he say in that scene where her mum tries to convince her to get an abortion her yeah. mum said it's not yeah. a good idea because if she thinks if she knows it's going to be a son yeah. when she finds yeah. out but the she mum convinces yeah. her to get pregnant not to have the abortion she then try, she gets forced into getting pregnant by the mum hmm. and then she tries to have the abortion because she wasn't ready yeah she does everything she could to get yeah. into it if the mum wants her to have the son but the mum wants the son but she makes a point, doesn't she, in that speech in the in the grief counselling thing, where she says, "I wouldn't let her anywhere near him." Yeah, well, because they were estranged at that point. Yeah, so that's why. Also, if you notice, which I didn't notice the second time, she talks about her brother committing suicide yeah. by mm-hmm. hanging himself, and then leaving a suicide note that said, "It was the mother's fault because she tried to put people inside." inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's a Russian doll, isn't it? So she, so the but mother... It, that sort of the convolutedness of the, why they went for the daughter first and then the boy, because otherwise that would have been a glaring plot hole. Yeah, because it was a, a, Annie's brother, wasn't it, that killed himself? Yeah. So that would have been a male, that would have been a male mm. heir to this, to this family. Yeah. So then when she had the son, she wouldn't let the mother anywhere near her son. Mm. So, so... Well, grandma, the dad wouldn't. So grandma couldn't get anywhere near him to do whatever do the freaky shit start, she needed to start do. Start the ritual, basically. Start the ritual, so but that's then why she chose the, the little I think the most child. freaky thing is that she somehow produced breast milk. Oh, the little, um, the little... There's a little diorama that I thought was amazing, and it's like... It gives a little snapshot of it. I think it's just on, like, the back... Someone closes the door, and it's on the back of a door or yeah. on the back of a shelf, and it's like... Annie, it's like I'm presuming it's Annie with the doll, with a, a little doll of a baby, and the mum's next to it, like with the tits out, to breastfeed, and it's like literally taken straight from the, the womb, and yeah. you know, and to the tits, and it's like, ooh. It's well, isn't that that saying that it didn't? So, creepy grandma breastfed the baby. Yeah. But she said earlier that she fed. She wouldn't let me feed it. She made she do yeah. feed it. But I just at that point, she's like, "Oh, she needs a bottle." Yeah, yeah. And then this yeah. is it, and it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, never mind. The symbolism of that as well, I think, you know, that goes to the ritual of the film, doesn't it? That's really fucked up. You know, you were her favorite, right? 
even when you're a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. Crazy. She wanted me to be a boy. You know, I was a tomboy when I was growing up. I hated dresses and dolls and pink. Who's going to take care of me? <sighs> um, excuse me, you don't think I'm going to take care of you? But when you die... Does the miniature things that she makes are all scenes, so like she recreates the death of the daughter from... Yeah. Like, in, as she says, a neutral point of view. Okay. And then there's other scenes, like the funeral and everything like that. She does one of the museum gallery with the finished art pieces in. Like, with miniatures, of the miniatures yeah. inside. Isn't, isn't she making them on, like, on commission or something? Because all the way mm -hmm. through, people are like, asking, oh, when she's going to be finished? For, yeah, for the art like. exhibit. And then... But that's... When you see her making the museum piece, that's at the beginning of the film. Like... Mm -hmm only a little bit in yeah and in there there's a, um, a miniature of what looks to me like the car scene but that hasn't happened yet so I don't know if they've edited that in mm. backwards or whether that was like it's something else that's all foreshadowing because when you when you when she sort of flips at the end it's just a crawl across the, the ceiling mm. which um, Exorcist 3 Exorcist 3 yes I've read, I've read the mark and everything before um, it's almost like she she was in on it the whole time and never realised. I think she was complicit. Yeah, well, she sort of didn't quite twig or... Yeah. Um, that's something I haven't quite worked out yet. Because I'm starting She's to complicit think... without, being, without knowing she was. Yeah. I think she was... So she sort of sees it all happen. She it lets it happen. It would make sense that she sort of sees it. So when she's creating the artwork, um, we think that she's creating stuff that's happened, but she's, she's actually creating stuff that's going to happen. Mm. And then, But then there is one diorama that I don't get which is of a, um, a play like a play school but it has no relevance to the rest yeah, of the film yeah I saw that yeah and every other one of them has some kind of plot element in there and then that just doesn't so that's just yeah. jarring to that's, me well, I feel like is that on the cutting room floor that's, maybe that's on the cutting room floor scariest moment in the film Martin Charlie loses her head <laughs> the second time when he falls off the Charlie's ghost appears to Peter, doesn't she? Yeah. And, and he's <coughs> stuck behind his bedroom door and then a head just falls off his shoulders. Yeah. And becomes a ball. It's a ball. That was one of the moments the audience screamed. Well, one person in the audience screamed <laughs> really, really loudly and it wasn't me. Oh, no, <laughs> I was going to say, it was the same Martin. It wasn't me. It was, it was go on so your own? No, I went with Matt. What did he think of it? He enjoyed it, yeah. yeah. He liked Jonathan's scary. I didn't find it that scary as such in terms you know, in it's creepy. There's a lot of creepy bits. I actually think probably my favourite scene to do with that is probably after, right after decapitation when Dave Peter just sits and just stares and it's just like the horror of yeah. what have I done and you can't even, you can't, you literally can't process what's what happened. For me, the most powerful moment in the whole film is when he goes home. And just gets in bed. And gets in bed yeah. and, and, and he listens as, as she discovers and I thought that was really powerful and then it cuts to the head covered in maggots and ants. stuff. Ants. Well, yeah, because she yeah. sees ants later, doesn't yeah. she? And so Peter, yeah. who sees the ants? It's the ants. She, she, she does. The yeah. crawl on Peter's and they're all yeah. yeah. So that was, that was the most powerful bit for me but Stephen's scary bit. Sorry, powerful bit as well. Yeah, yeah. I think actually her having the breakdown on the floor and like crying and saying that she just doesn't want to live anymore and yeah. that just doesn't know how to come with it I was literally crying oh, like I got really upset I wasn't I didn't care about the daughter to be honest because she wasn't built as a very nice character before that but just the actual anguish on the mum was horrible and then yeah. they do that weird cut to the yeah, brain, that's, a, that's was, a bad that's a which bad was a idea. bad choice that's a bad idea because then it kind of just kind of it makes it like funny it's like a, yeah it's, it's a comedy thing it's where you, you change the situation but keep the you know, you change the location yeah. but keep the situation the same and it comes yeah. across as funny and it's like, no. Yeah, that, that. that's where they lost it because, like, that first bit, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And I was like, what? Uh, but it does uh, also, I don't know, I didn't really think of it until a bit later, but at the end of it, he's banging her head on the ceiling. It's a bit like that as well, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Because he's banging her head on the floor at the funeral and then she's banging her head on the ceiling yeah. at the end of the Which film. is really horrible, by the way, that really freaked me out. But I'm sure that was in one of the American Horror Story um Asylum 
teasers. You know, that like when he was released those teasers that are so much fucking better than the series. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's Derek. Yeah, no, that, that was does, used that does ring directly out of one of them. Because I thought that was really cool because it's the first time I'd seen it used in a film. Yeah. Um but for me, I think one of the creepier moments I liked when you do that weird camera thing where she just hovers over the kid asleep. Like the mum comes to wake him up for the seance. And um, she's just like leaning on top of them and the camera's like vertical and their face is just on top of them and then it turns and it's like them lying down on the bed and I just thought that really freaked me out. I don't know why <laughs> this is really effective when the face is just like that on top of them. Stop them. <laughs> Martin's just doing it to Steven. <laughs> Uh, for me, one so I had a few issues with the film, but I did end up thinking I want to watch it again, and I do genuinely think that I'll, I will like it more the second time. Um, but my, my main issue with it was that I was never genuinely scared throughout the whole film. I wasn't scared. However, the one bit that creeped me out was the bit near the beginning where Grandma uh, Ellen appears behind her in the, in the corner of the room, smiling at her, and it's just like, it looks yeah. like it's literally been painted onto the film. It's that mm-hmm. sort of... I've never really seen any sort of ghosty, visiony type effects that look mm. quite like that. And I thought that was quite cool. And I've seen reviews calling the film like groundbreaking. And someone did say to me that they thought it took things that you've seen before and made it seem like you were seeing them for the first time. And I thought, no, not in the slightest. No. However, that ghost was like, that was something new to me. I thought that's really, that's really yeah. quite effective. I that effect is good. There's a really good shot as well where she's going to see Joni and the. Uh, camera starts upside down like oh, just down and, down the and then it like yeah. goes yeah. vertical and then corrects itself the right way around and I just yeah. thought that was a really cool fucking shot yeah. surely I think it's got that's got a bit oh that's it's copied it. it's or got something got but that, isn't it, surely? I think I've seen that it's a, it's a bit of a rare shot that I've not seen what films pedaled around what films does it remind you of great so it's Rosemary's Baby yeah with the grief of like the Babadook yeah. But then it's um, Ty West's The Devil. House, House of the Devil. House of the Devil, Devil which is slow burn occult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that scared me, that. Yeah. That freaked me out, that film. What so about I you think that? that works. Does it remind you of anything? No. Give you any flashbacks or anything? Yeah. Made me think of Paranormal Activity 3. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I have, uh, but it, I tried to block them out. Oh, it's really good. Kids with freaky things going on in the bedroom, symbols, painters all around the house. Oh, Grandma was a witch. Haven't you got a paranormal oh, activity yeah. theory that the odd numbers are good the odd and even numbers, numbers are bad? It's like Star Trek, isn't it? Star Trek films. <laughs> Star Trek films. Yeah, the, uh, the even ones are good and the odd ones are bad. Yes. Well, they're all shit now, so... <laughs> after about yeah. nine. <laughs> one, yeah, paranormal activity one, three and five is the marked ones, which is like the um, young Latino kids. I turn that off after five The theory the is that took me out completely I could even live with like the naked people and the their head chopping off with the guillotine wire I quite thing. enjoyed that yeah, yeah that was fun the noise it was making and, and the blood like squirting yeah that was quite funny yeah. but um, the bit where the body just floated up into the tree house I was just kind of like really oh that's the point where everybody laughed in the sun yeah, yeah. I was at the one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up to that it. it got everybody completely enthralled and if they were enthralled again immediately afterwards but Tony Clett, headless body, elevated <laughs> into the treehouse. Just, just made everybody really laugh out loud. And it wasn't intentional. That can't have been intentional. No. See, there was lots and lots of laughter, you know, I think. Mm. And I think it's... I went with Terry and two of the girls from my way. And when we walked out, I had to explain the plot to all of them. Because none of them got it. Gosh. And I think that's kind of what's happening because if you look at the scores, critics' review is huge. So there's a big difference, isn't there, between low cinema score? Yeah, but that happened with the with the but witch. that happened with the witch there as yeah. well, didn't it? Yeah. It's because I think like the general audience who go just to see a normal horror film or just like popcorn horror film, they just want they do just want the jump scares and stuff like that. And this film isn't going to give them that because it's intelligent horror. No, but don't get me the that. Oh. It's just. Um, I'm not that, but I'm just thinking the audience, this is a film that isn't necessarily going to appeal to the masses, mm. but to a horror fan, they're going to enjoy it. If you actually... Like, See, I, I kind of disagree because I think I think if you are like a hardcore horror fan, you've probably seen the films that this is kind of copying already and know about them, so it yeah. probably lose its impact for me. 
Yeah. Well, well, it did for me anyway, because it just reminded me of stuff I'd seen before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did watch the entire so thing. Oh, that was that. It's no, trying to yeah. have a foot in both camps or aim for somewhere in the middle. You know, it's trying to get all these slick advertisements, trying to draw the mainstream fans in, and then, you know, you're getting the, the reviews and all the festival buzz trying to get the hardcore horror fans in. And also, it depends. It also depends on what the, what the intention of the filmmakers are as well. I was reading this, like, quote that's on. I mean, it's on Wikipedia, isn't it? So who, who knows? But um, I, I read this quote from Ari Aster, the writer director, who, who refers to the film as not a horror film, but rather a tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. And there's nothing that irritates me more. It's like the guy who made, what's his name? John Thingy, who made A Quiet Place. John Krasinski. Krasinski, who, who made the comments about wanting to elevate horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, th- thanks. For, you know, and thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't need it doesn't need elevator. But that's that's what I mean. And uh, for me, it's a lot of the time, and maybe it's it, it says a lot that it What's comes. What's the other from, one? That it comes at night. That was seen as a you know a, a, an elevated oh, intelligence. Yeah. The thing is, what what annoys me is when somebody who might not necessarily be setting out to make horror movies then goes, "Ooh, I'm going to make a horror movie that really, really elevates yeah, yeah. it and makes people think and all this." There's something really patronising, and it's that age-old yeah, yeah. problem of horror being looked down upon yeah. so when it happens from within the camp and the people who are making the films have got that attitude then what you a lot of the time you end up with quite a muddled film experience because yeah. the studios are like well how, how do we well, sell what's it wrong I that, think that's sorry sorry uh, what I think is wrong with that whole idea is that yeah we can have those films that try to be a bit more cerebral or whatever and that, that type of horror and then we can have the slashes that are like just brainless and fun but a true horror fan well, like anything that's mm. horror like we can like popcorn horror and it can be fun and it can be great films and there's nothing wrong with doing that but then there's nothing wrong with trying something a bit more cerebral they're the same genre you don't need to separate it but don't do it and then pretend that you're doing us a favour <laughs> yeah and then be on your own yeah, that's, just pat- that's just condescending isn't yeah. it and I think that's part of the problem with with the the, the problem with the marketing of these well, this film and the witch is my main experience. Is they're marketed as popcorn films, and yeah, they yeah. edit the trailers to make yeah, them yeah. like the roller coaster mm. of a popcorn mm. film, and so they sell them to that audience. And they don't. I don't think they need to. I think it's really that's condescending yeah, to yeah. the audience of filmgoers generally because they're good films, and they could just attract. Anybody who likes a film, yeah. but they could attract people who don't necessarily aren't necessarily looking for that popcorn yeah, roller coaster yeah. ride. Are there are plenty of pay, plenty of them out there. Yeah, if you're going in for that, and that's what you you're in the mood for a popcorn horror, which I think my mates that I went with were in the mood for a popcorn horror kind mm. of thing. Then they were like, "What was that? Like that's mm. weird. Mm. I didn't like that because it's not where the mindset was." No, I'm I'm alright to adjust my mindset and being like, "Oh, okay," mm. but. That's just because I'll take you in anything because I'm, I'm a whore. <laughs> You're a whore, <laughs> and it's more and you part of that marketing is like building up the ten, you know, building up the tension, saying this is the scariest film ever. It's like the Exorcist of our generation. A load of bollocks. It it exists in its own right, and I think that's part of the reason why I enjoyed it so much yeah. was that I wasn't looking to compare it to any of those yeah. other films. Why I haven't got anything in my head about what films it reminded me of yeah. because I went in there. Completely, yeah. Not trying to spot what films it was like. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to enjoy it for its own, yeah, yeah, um, for its own experience. And you had a roller coaster ride, and I did have a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I feel like I did for a yeah, no, I'd say, Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying yeah. to. I think seventy percent of the film is great. I think the fair. I say. The first seventy percent of it, it's like the Babadook. It's like you know, it's kind of exploring grief and you yeah. know the grief of the son and the grief of and, and, yeah. and Gabriel Byrne's kind of detached from it all and he's yeah. just you know trying to get on with it. But I, they do that really well, I think. I but think it's it just once the once the actual horror like kind of emerges and you see what the plot is. The plot kind of it's a it's a bit. Uh, I don't know, a bit mundane. It is it's, a bit mundane. It's trying to be, oh, you know, we, we don't want to say devil worshippers, so we're just going to say, oh, a different kind of demon. We're going to say Paymon instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you've got a good, um, like, the had, oh, we're going to make a film that's all an analogy for depression and how depression can go mm. through a family and that and destroy it like that. That's what our film is about. 
And then, like, someone at the end went, oh, yeah, but we actually need a plot. Yeah. So they just tacked on the plot with it. See, the difference is, I think The Babadook is about grief, but it still manages to be a great horror film. And it doesn't, it's not like this is about grief and then, oh, it's end and this is about horror. The Babadook is just what it is. And I think that's why that's a such yeah. a much better film. And the Babadook ends ambiguous. So that you can still read it the yeah, other way. Yeah. You can't read this the other way. It yeah. was that. Yeah. The amalgamation of monster and depression in the Babadook was seamless. Yeah. Whereas for me, the amalgamation of real life horror and witchy poo horror yeah, it wasn't was, quite as seamless mm, no. as it could have been, really. And I think there was there were good parts in both, but I think where it excelled was the yeah. the real life horror, yeah. the grief, the horrible trauma of Charlie getting the head whopped off. Um and, the and performances as well the yeah. performances and even the spiritual stuff even the, the bits of ghosts in the background the yeah. lights I loved all the stuff with the lights flashing all around mm-hmm. the room yeah. I thought all that worked really well as well I just thought I think it was a bit ham-fisted I think yeah. I think that, I think for the film to be marketing itself as this clever horror film they could have done a bit better than oh I'm going to go and look through those books that have been in the in mum's room for this mm. whole film yeah, well, and, and it's going to be there that you're half right it's one and, down just the right and that is and that's that's the beauty of the Babadook is that it's naturally it's naturally intelligent and clever mm. and isn't trying to patronise its audience and it's not trying to it's not an ego trip for the filmmaker. Yeah. Whereas there's so much ego and condescension around this film with yeah. being elevated horror yeah. and him you know, saying it's not horror, it's yeah. whatever he said it was, hurdling into tragedy or whatever. Yeah. Um it, there is a sense of this is a big this is a big wank of a film of how <laughs> how clever am I mm, yeah. and that that's a big that's a big flaw it's a good film it and I recommend film. people going to oh, see yeah, it and they'll, en- and they'll enjoy it but it's it, yeah it's not the um it's it's not the it's not the elevated experience that people would say it is yeah yeah, and also when people don't enjoy this film, don't write them off as bring the city. It's too no. just going for a jump scare, which I know it's just a few of the cast have done, mm. and it's like, oh, it's it's because people are going for jump scares and stuff. Well, not everyone is going for that. I didn't go for that, and I was still feel a little bit disappointed, and that was because of the writing and because of yeah some of the creative choices that were made. However, I, I did come out with thinking I want to see it again, and I'm really looking forward to getting the Blu-ray when it's got an extended version on it. I'm watching it in the dark in my living room. Mm with the surround sound on and just letting myself enjoy it mm. because of because I'd be going to it without the sort of build up of the hype and everything that, mm. so I'm looking forward to watching it again so um, bring it on I, say. I did I did love the uh, so a lot of the technical stuff I thought was really good there were some really nice shots I think there's this photographer thing called tilt shifting where it basically what you do you make it look like a miniature it's because you do a few shots of the house don't you? Yeah. and it looks like it's the model but it's not it's just this technique you can do mm. and I spotted it a few times and my brother's into the photography so I was asking about it yeah. and he said it's like you, you don't really see it in films you do it, people use it in like time lapse you see it in you see it in time lapse and kind of mm. photos and stuff but okay. so some really good like technical stuff like yeah. those I like the fact that he he opened the film with, with, on the model as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a it was framed as like a model. It was so that could lend itself to what you were saying, Martin, about you don't know what's real and what isn't. Yeah. And you That's it. The whole thing could just be inside the model. Yeah, this yeah. this is played out in this little house. It could have almost the he just pulled out, and then the little girl <laughs> could have been just playing with little models of them. Yeah, and then that would have no, been the film. What was this? What was the uh, series? The St. Elsewhere? Oh, snapped all the heads off. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, well, there was a TV show, wasn't it, in America? St. Elsewhere. And it was the whole... It was like set in the... It was like hospital drama. Yes. And it ended up the whole show was just a kid playing with his toys. Is that how it ended? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's hysterical. Because wow. I think that Garth Rangi's Dark Place is like... It takes the piss out of it a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, St. Elsewhere. That's hilarious. So we do recommend it. Um, yeah. We all had different experiences, but we all actually did enjoy it and we think it's a really good film. I think it's like brilliant. Stephen really loves it. Stephen sort of twice in 12 hours. He's yeah. I'd say it's, it's not perfect, but it's like a, a 9 out of 10. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going more towards like 7, 7 and a half. I'd say 7, yeah. I'd, I'd say, say 8. Say yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, I'd say 8. Yeah. Good, I'd, solid 8. Yeah, no, it's not a bad film. 7's not a bad mark, but yeah, it's just... Yeah. 7, 8 and 9 out of 10, that's not bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not bad at all. It's good. Okay, it just it just reminded me too much of things I'd seen before, which other things are done better. Yeah, it's almost like this guy's watched some like indie horror in the past five years and then gone, I can do better than that. <laughs> so here's, here's the Babadook, here's Kill List. Yeah, you know, is the and, and uh, it's one of them though. I've seen a, it twice. And a dark song as well. Yeah, I've seen it twice in the twelve hours, but I think it will be like a good like six months before I can Give us ever, ever yeah. think about watching it again because yeah. it's just too much too long and yeah. a bit draining yeah. and depressing that I just don't need it again yeah. I have to be in the headspace for that that's your Christmas day viewing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to see it again though just to to like pick up the stories on those films that when, yeah. when you get to reveal and when you go back and watch it you can start to see more and yeah. pick up the story and yeah. stuff like that Definitely. Watch this film and then have a seance with your family on Christmas Day. Yeah, oh, I'm filming, and then that's the next. That's yeah. the next intelligent horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sequel. Yeah, it's a meta intelligent horror. Yeah, we're bringing back like camera fan footage again because it's gone out of style. Yeah, so it must be cool again. Yeah, there you go. What do you think? Do you agree with any of us? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Are you in between like me? Um, do let us know Get drop me a line I'm on Twitter at Johnny Larkin you can um, tweet Jonathan Butler uh, Cthulhu 502 you can tweet Stephen Moore HD99 as for Martin I'll be floating in the attic soaring my own head off. <laughs> <laughs> that was his head hitting the floor <laughs> and all I've got to say is I, don't, I can't make that noise it's not gay it's not gay <laughs> <laughs> Yes, all right. <laughs>